tonight to see man but or to hear man we have come here tonight to lift up the matchless and glorious name of the son of god pour out your spirit on this father god this second of january pour out your anointing father like we have never seen before in this place for jesus sake we pray and everyone said amen would you go to at least three people tonight and say it's great to see you tonight Hallelujah. Let's just give God the praise and give God the glory. Give God the praise and give him the glory. I sense something supernatural is about to happen here tonight. And you may be seated, beloved saints, in the presence of the Lord. We're so blessed tonight. And even before we even begin here tonight, <clears throat> we're so blessed because we have Pastor Arion here tonight and Pastor Scott why don't you both come up here just for a moment? This is Pastor Arion. He is um, he is the one who coordinates our pastor's conference for Breath of the Spirit in Egypt. Can we praise the Lord? And you all know Pastor Scott. He coordinates our Middle East ministry. Pastor Scott, what would you like to say tonight? Praise the Lord. There is expectation God is going to move in this place. Yes, there is. Hallelujah. What would you like to say tonight, Pastor Arion? Uh, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. I think this is the international language. There is a verse in Ephesus says, twenty. So the Lord will glorified in my body. I have the life, it's Jesus Christ. And the death, it's my gain. If Jesus not my life, so the death is better. So Jesus is your life. Jesus, he is everything in your life. He is the king of your life. He pronounced he is on, this is my, my desires. To the forever and ever I live because I have desired it. You are the desire of the Lord himself. The Lord wants to be in you and move in you and use you and to know you and lives and he will known by you your life itself. I have thanked the Lord for the Christ who is shown in Pastor Michel. She carries the Lord in her life and it shows. Because of that, Jesus shown in her life in clarity. 
نحن ننتظرها في القاهرة في الأيام المقبلة. لتكون بركة لمصر. In in Cairo, because we are waiting for her by the minute. As she was a blessing to Egypt, and many years has passed until today. Amen. Amen. We're excited, Pastor Scott, because coming up this May, we're going to have our annual pastors conference in the Middle East for all of the persecuted church, the pastors that live under tremendous persecution, and we are going to be raising the money to bring the pastors together to come to an incredible anointing conference that is going to be incredible to change Egypt. Amen. You know, Pastor, people don't know how, bad, how big the impact of the ministry right there. Yes, tell us just for I a am, moment. Um, because I hear from other pastors, not from him alone. I'm in contact with other pastors. They are really, you are, the ministry right here impacting Egypt. Thank not you, just, Jesus. Not uh, just uh, one congregation, it's like the Pentecost. There is a lot of ministers are not from Pentecost. They are invited to the ministry, as I, as I found out. They are coming from even the Orthodox churches. I'm saying from the Baptists, from the brethren. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of them, but most of them, they are really waiting for this ministry. And this ministry, when you impact one pastor, you're impacting at least 100 and 200 members of his church. So you're not just impacting one pastor, you're impacting his, his congregation behind him. So you look how many people you are impacting. That's awesome. Thank you so much, pastors. Let's give the men of God a great big God bless you. Amen. Let us stand tonight for the reading of God's word, beloved saints. We are going to be opening our Bibles tonight to 2 Kings chapter 6. And I want us to look at 2 Kings chapter 6. Tonight we are going to be speaking to you powerfully about resistance training and the spiritual strategies, the strategies of spiritual warfare. Looking at 2 Kings tonight, chapter 6, when you have it, say amen. And we are going to be reading about the power of God and about the supernatural strategies of spiritual warfare that God is going to bring to us. Let us look at 2 Kings chapter eight and uh, chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 8 through 12. When you have it, say amen. Then the king of Syria, let's read it together. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with the, his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall my camp be. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel... And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent, sent to the place, which the man of God told him and warned him and saved himself there, not once nor twice. Touch your neighbor and say he saved himself many times. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria, continue, therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? 
And one of his servants answered and said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king, uh, telleth the, the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. You may be seated, beloved saints, in the presence of the Lord. Now, beloved saints, tonight I want to speak to you just for a few moments about um, about where we left off as we began last week. And as you know, one of the most powerful words that God is bringing us to for the year of 2019 was the anointing of the breaker, that the breaker anointing is upon us. And I want to take now what we began with last week and bring it to another level. Last week, as you know, before we even begin our teaching tonight in 2 Kings, let's go back to Genesis chapter 32. And we're going to see in Genesis chapter 32, Jacob wrestling with the angel. And we are going to see um, spiritual significance of that wrestling with the angel. We're going to see that, first of all, we learned last week that Jacob wrestling with the angel in a personal prophetic sense um, represented the breaking point or the anointing of breaking um, because he was leaving Padam Aram, Syria after being there for over 20 years and coming into the promised land. And we learned last week that just before he crossed over into the promised land, he wrestled with an angel till the breaking of day. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 32, the Bible says in verse 24, and there he wrestled with a man till the breaking of day. And verse 26 says, and he said, let me go for day breaketh. And he said, I will not let you go till you bless me. Now we explained the elementary aspect last week of the supernatural secret of wrestling with the angel until daybreak. And we saw that the wrestling with the angel also represented how um, in that dark night he went through a personal confrontation. And after the confrontation, there was supernatural exaltation that God changed Jacob's name. His name was changed from Jacob to Israel. And we saw that the name change was not just because God wanted to change his name because God didn't like the name Jacob. He changed his name because the change of name meant the change of a spiritual status. Say this with me. The change of the name meant the change of a spiritual status. It meant that there was an elevation. There was a graduation after that long night and that long, uh, that long fight. And it represents those of us that have been in a long battle, those of us that have been through a dark night, that after that dark night, there is going to come a time when God is going to bring a breakthrough in your life. That's what let me go for the day breaketh means because the breaking of day is spiritually significant of a breakthrough. Put your hands up and say, God, I want to praise you for the breakthrough. So we see that this is the meaning of what we learned last week. But now tonight, we are going to take 
this teaching on Jacob wrestling with the angel to another level. We saw on one hand how the wrestling with an angel represented all the forces that tried to hold him back from his destiny before he got to the promised land. And that wrestling with the angel, after he wrestled and had his breakthrough, he was ready to cross over into the promised land. But tonight, I want to take you up to another level of what this means. In a supernatural sense of scripture, the wrestling with the angel that we saw, Jacob is going through what we might call spiritual resistance training. Say this with me, spiritual resistance training. And he is going through spiritual resistance training as he wrestles with the angel because he is about to cross over into the promised land. And in the promised land, he is going to go through several difficulties and several trials that cannot even compare to what he's been through before he crossed over into the promised land. I hope you understand what I'm talking about. For those of us who don't understand what, um, what um, spiritual resistance training is, I want you to understand in a natural sense, natural resistance training is a form of exercise that is designed to induce muscle in an individual, all right? And, and it, it induces muscle by contractions in order to build strength. I want you to understand that as the angel wrestled with Jacob from the night till the breaking of day, God was building up spiritual resistance. He was training him and building up his spiritual muscles so that he might be able to endure what he's going to endure when he crosses over into the promised land. I hope you understand what I'm talking about. This angel was on assignment to wrestle with Jacob in order to induce spiritual strength. And we need to understand something because the spiritual strength that he is going to need is going to be for every tribulation that is going to found the foundation of the nation of Israel. Now, I want you to hear something. What he went through in Padam Aram with Laban and what he went through with Esau was nothing in compared to when he crossed over into the promised land. That was just training for his initial destiny when he crossed back over, back into the promised land and came into the place of possession of promises. Do you understand what I'm talking about? out here. Okay, so 
When we look at the battle with Esau, and we understand that for 20 years, the hatred of Esau, and the bondage of Esau, and the jealousy of Esau, and the bitterness of Esau, held him in a place away from his prophecy. Let me explain it so that everybody here is on the same page, because this is so critically important to where you're going in 2019. If I'm speaking to any people that are ready to cross over into their destiny, if I'm speaking to any people that are ready to possess the promises that God has ordained for them in 2019, if I'm speaking to anybody that's about ready to go to a new level in the realm of the Spirit, what I'm about to explain to you is critically important so that you understand the type of spiritual warfare that you are being trained for. I want you to understand, we do not get a free pass to destiny. You and I are being trained to take the territory, just like Joshua and the Joshua generation. When you get to the promised land, it is going to be a fight for what God has promised you. Can I get a witness somewhere? All right, so I want us to understand where we left off last week. Last week, we saw that Jacob left Padam Aram, Syria, after being there for 20 years. He had to leave Padam, he had to go to Padam Aram, Syria immediately after he was given the blessing by his father, immediately after Je uh, Isaac blessed Jacob. And um, immediately after that, his, his brother said in his heart, when the days of my father's mourning are ended, I am going to kill my brother Jacob. That he hated him for the blessing wherewith his father had blessed him. So we understand that Esau's wrath, Esau's hatred, Esau's murderous spirit was the reason why Jacob had to leave Israel. And when Jacob left Israel, right when he got to Beersheba, as soon as he came out of Beersheba and left Beersheba, he came to the place and God appeared to him in a dream and said, the land that you lie on, I'm going to give it to you and to your descendants forever. Your descendants are going to be as multiple as the sands of the seashore and as multiple as the stars in the heaven. God confirmed the blessing that Isaac had given to Jacob. You cannot steal somebody's blessing. That is not possible. God is going to bless who he's going to bless. The blessing comes from the Spirit of God. You can't steal something the Spirit of God has given to somebody else. So you have to understand that this blessing that, that Isaac gave to Jacob was something that God had ordained before the foundations of the earth so that Jacob and all of his descendants would inherit the land of Israel. Now, we know that he was there away from, from the land, away from his prophecy, like so many of you right now may feel like you have been distanced from your destiny. You may feel like you are 
away from the prophetic promises that God has given you. But I want you to know that the God of Jacob is your God and that this is a season in 2019 when the breaker anointing is coming on God's people so that you might go and possess the promised land. It is going to break. All right, we saw this last week. And we saw after 20 years of being in Padam Aram, his mother said to him before she left, go to my brother Laban and be there a few days. And when your brother's anger has subsided, I will send for you. Now, what we need to know is a few days went by and Rebecca never sent for Jacob. A year went by and Rebecca never sent for Jacob. Two years went by. Ten years went by. Fifteen years went by and Rebecca never sent for Jacob to return. Why? Because the anger of Esau never subsided against his brother. But finally God himself told Jacob in Genesis 31, return to the land of your kindred and I will be with you. It was time for the fulfillment of prophecies. And now I want you to understand what happened in the realm of the spirit. It was the power of Esau's hatred. It was the, the spiritual resistance from Esau and from so many other factors that had held Jacob in the land away from his destiny. But the wrestling with the angel represents how it broke through the wrestling of the angel. And daybreak is a prophetic parallel of breakthrough. I hope you understand. The angel said to Jacob, let me go for daybreak. And the Bible says that he, that, that Jacob said, I will not let you go till you bless me. So the wrestling with the angel on one hand represents Jacob overcoming every force that held him in Padam. Aram Syria. It represents overcoming all of the resistance against one's destiny that has held one away from what God has promised. I hope you understand what the Holy Spirit is saying. Touch your neighbor and say, that is not tonight's message. Okay. Now, another reason what we need to understand about the angel. First of all, we need to look at the text. Let's go back and understand fully. This was an angel of the Lord that he wrestled with that was on assignment from God. Looking at Genesis chapter 32, looking at verse 1, the Bible says, and Jacob went his way and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. And he named the name of the place Mahanim. That means the camp, the changing of the camps. Say this with me, the changing of the camps. 
Okay, this is spiritually significant of why the angel's going to wrestle with him. All right, because the angels that were with Jacob in one sense, in a literal sense of scripture, Mahanim, or the changing of the camps, represents the changing of the angel camps. All right, that the angels that accompanied Jacob to Syria are not the same angels that are going to accompany Jacob into the promised land. There's going to be a changing of the guards. And there's a reason for this. It is because Jacob is going to need another type of protection when he goes into the land of Israel. When he goes into the land of Israel, he is going to possess his prophetic word. I want you to know that God has assigned angels over the word that's in your life. God has assigned angels to watch over your prophecy. God has assigned angels to watch over what God has promised you. Say this with me. Angels are accompanying me. All right. So I want us to understand that as a background. Now, we also understand that as Jacob came into this place called Mahanim, it is the border of Israel and Syria. All right, so he's getting ready now after 20 years that the word that his father had blessed him with, that everything that he was born for is about to come to pass. But in this camp of angels, Mahanim, there is a special angel that is on assignment to wrestle with Jacob. And this angel not only represents wrestling with this angel, overcoming everything that held back his past that prevented him from uh, possessing his prophecy. He had to overcome that. But on a greater level, on a more expedient level, on a more spiritual level, this angel was sent on assignment for resistance training, okay? This resistance training was to build up Jacob's spiritual strength that the entire night, Jacob is going to be transformed. He's gonna be totally transformed after fighting with this angel because when he goes over to the other side, I, 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 I want to rephrase it. He's not fighting with an angel. He's wrestling with the angel. So that when he gets to the other side, he's going to have the spiritual stamina and the spiritual strength to endure what is ahead of him. Because what he went through with Esau and what he went through with Laban is nothing in comparison to what he's going to go through when he steps into the land of Canaan. Do you understand this? Okay, he is going to go through some unbelievable circumstances. The moment he crosses over, 
And the angels that met him in Mahanim are training him. This angel that is wrestling with him is training him through resistance training. Because resistance training in the natural builds someone's strength. I hope you understand what is going on here. Touch your neighbor and say every battle I've ever been through is building my spiritual strength. God is giving me resistance training so I know how to engage in the battle of my spiritual canon. Say it with me. My spiritual canon. I can get any help in here. I said, my spiritual canon. Now let me tell you something. We are a people who are a little bit with our head in the clouds. Okay, we have a Disneyland mentality concerning the promised land. We thought, wow, once we step over into the promised land, that's it. Everything is going to be great. I'm going to get on my ice skates and skate for the rest of my life, twirling around and having nothing but wonderful songs and wonderful experiences and have everything I ever wanted because, wow, I'm in the promised land. That could not be anything more unscriptural, anything that is so untrue because your battle has trained you to possess greater demonic forces. Your battles outside of your promised land have trained you to be able to endure what you are going to come up against in the promised land. Can I get a witness somewhere? All right, let's just do a countdown. Okay, let's just look at Jacob's life. Okay, beginning the minute he crosses over. Okay, if we had a little ticking clock, you never hear those little t clocks that, that, that tick, and then as soon as my husband uses these a lot. Okay, he has a timer, a little timer, and it goes on like he'll time something for an hour, or he'll time something for 20 minutes. And it'll just go, 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 and you kind of hear it going tick, 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 tick. And as soon as it's done, it goes ding. Okay, so let's just put Jacob on the timer and see exactly what he faced the moment he stepped over into the land of Israel, the place of possession of promise. Let us just see exactly what he had to face when he crossed over and God began to fulfill every word that he promised him. And as the founder of the nation of Israel, and as the founder of not only the entire tribes, because he's going to be the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. He is going to be the progenitor of the entire nation. This is why his name is changed from Jacob to Israel. So everything that is embodied in the nation is embodied in Jacob. He represents what the people of God that he is founding is going to be. Abraham was the father of 
faith. Isaac was the, was the uh, patriarch of endurance. But what we need to understand is that Jacob is, one, is the patriarch that went through every type of trial in order for the nation to be born. All right? The minute he gets into the land of Israel, Rachel dies. Okay? The love of his life. He's not even in Israel a few weeks where Rachel has now died in childbirth. As soon as Rachel dies, he settles in Shechem and his daughter Dinah is raped. As soon as that is over, his sons commit mass murders and murder all of the men of Shechem and begin to destroy all of the work that Abraham and that Jacob have worked for. So within just a year's period, Jacob has crossed over into the promised land. Rachel has died. Dinah is raped and his sons commit mass murders in Shechem. As soon as that is over, he moves from that place. He fulfills his vow to God in Bethel. And he goes and he settles in the land. And as soon as he settles in the land, Joseph is kidnapped by his own brothers and sold into slavery and brought down to Egypt. Touch your neighbor and say, just for one of those trials, you are you cannot compare it to the trials trial with Esau. You cannot compare Rachel's death to a trial with Esau. You cannot compare the sale of Joseph compared to dealing with Laban. As wicked as Laban was, as much as Laban cheated him, you cannot compare the trial that Jacob went through in the sale of Joseph and the mourning over the coat of believing that a beast devoured Joseph. You cannot compare it to anything he was ever suffering at any time in his life. So why the moment Jacob gets into the promised land, does Rachel die? Is Dinah raped? Is the, the sons committing mass murders in Shechem, bringing up a halal Hashem over the land. And Jacob's reputation is now, mer is now marred with the people when he is supposed to represent the God of Israel. And why is Joseph sold? And why does he mourn over Joseph every day of his life? Because he thinks that he's dead. And as soon as that is over, a famine begins in the land a promise and it is so severe that he is forced to send his sons to Egypt and as soon as his sons get to Egypt his sons come back and say they won't allow us to have any more bread they're keeping Simeon as a spy unless we bring Benjamin down to Egypt so it is one trial after another trial one catastrophe after another catastrophe but when Jacob was in Mahanim and wrestled with the angel he was building up spiritual resistance he was building up spiritual power to be able to endure everything that God had allowed him to walk through 
for the ongoing work of the founding of the nation of Israel. Can I get a witness somewhere? Why am I sharing that? I am sharing that because I'm not just saying you're going into the promised land this year and everybody's going to stand up and do a Jericho march. You have to understand if you're getting ready to cross over, you need to have the spiritual resistance training in order to go through what you're going to go through to possess your prophetic work. Wait a minute, Dr. Corral, we expected you to give us all kinds of sugar and all kinds of things to make us feel good. I'm here tonight to make sure that you make it to the place that God has ordained for you. And you need to understand that if you've been going through trials that you've never been through before in your life, then you might as well know that your feet have already crossed over into your cadence. Somebody ought to give God the praise and give God the glory. And we see, we see this now. Finally, after after many, many years, Jacob finally makes it. He goes at the almost end of his life. He's now in Egypt. And he sees Joseph isn't dead. And God gives him 17 years of no trials. However, it's not that easy. Everything is great. Life couldn't be better. Okay, this is what we think. Once we get into the promised land, we want to hear the Hawaiian music. Uh, you know, and we want to see the, the little, what do you call those things that people rock on? Those little hammocks. That's what we think is going to happen when we get into the promised land. Just sipping our little lemonade and having the hammock going and listening to the Hawaiian music and thinking, wow, God has really just done something. He's done the most incredible thing for me. I'm in my promised land because somehow we think that the promised land equals no trials. Hello, somebody. Welcome to the real world. Hello, somebody. Understand why. Why the blood of Jesus was shed so that you might be able to overcome. Understand why the power of the Holy Ghost has been given to you for you have been made more than a conqueror through him that has loved you. Can I get a witness somewhere? So right before Jacob's end of his life, he's with his beloved son Joseph. But he's not really resting. There's no more trials because in the back of his mind every day, he's thinking, what if I die here in this land of Egypt? Will they bury me here or will they bury me in the land of Canaan? You see, to us, it probably doesn't matter where a person is buried. But to Jacob, it meant everything. He could not be buried in Egypt. He had to be buried in the cave of Machpelah with Abraham, with Isaac, 
with Rebecca and with Sarah and with Leah. He had to be buried there. He could not stay in the land of Egypt. So he made his son Joseph swear not once, swear not twice, but swear, especially when the sickness that took his life was ready to take him out. He said, swear to me, not once, not twice, but that you will not bury me here in the land of Egypt, but that you will bury me in the land of my fathers and that you will take me back to the land of Canaan. So I want you to understand that his entire life was one of struggle, but one of great victory. Why am I sharing that with you? Because I want you to know, saints, I am not going to candy coat this thing. I'm going to tell you like it is. Many of you are getting ready to inherit ministry and positions in ministry. Many of you are getting ready to come up to a call that God has so ordained for your life. Many of you are getting ready to come into a land and come into a place in God that you've never been to before. And now is the time that God is placing upon you spiritual resistance training so that when you cross over, you will be able to withstand every trial and tribulation and not fall out till you see the fulfillment of God's promises in your life. Can I get a witness somewhere? Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm not going to fall out till I see the fulfillment of God's word in my life. Hallelujah. Somebody should give God the praise and give God the glory. Now, all right. We're not playing games now. We're going for the big time spiritual warfare. Touch your neighbor and say, we're not playing games anymore. We're going for high level warfare. Okay, we're going for the highest level of warfare and the highest level of anointing to destroy the enemy. You're getting ready for spiritual nuclear weapons of war. Can I get a witness somewhere? Okay, so that resistance training has brought you to this place, and God wants to begin to reveal to us the strategies of spiritual warfare that he wants us to come up to in 2019. The, the strategies of warfare that you had last year are not going to cut it. Hello, somebody, can I get a witness? Touch your neighbor and say, where I'm going is the promised land. Now, if you plan to stay in Padel Maram another 20 years, that's up to you. But if you're crossing over at your Fort Jabbok unto the promised land, then, child, you're going to have to learn some new spiritual strategies, and you're going to have to upgrade your form of spiritual Warfare. 
in the mighty name of Jesus, I am going to upgrade by the grace of God the new methods of spiritual warfare. I will not stay stuck in my own way of doing things. I'm going to be yielded to the Holy Spirit and upgrade all my weapons of war. Can I get a witness somewhere? Now let me just tell you something. Some of you are using cannons. You know what a cannon is? A cannon is a weapon of war that way back when, in the 1700s, was very sophisticated. Okay? We've got cannons that we're using. We're using cannons like they did in the 1700s when the Star Spangled Banner was being, was being composed by, by Francis Scott Key. That's exactly what we're doing. All right? And then there are others of us that are high-tech in the realm of the spirit. How many of you want to upgrade your weapons of war against the wicked one and say, God, I don't want to be stuck using a cannon when the Holy Ghost in me wants me to be high tech and laser sharp and ready to enter in to another realm of warfare. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm not playing today. Hello, somebody. Can I get a witness somewhere? And the reason why we want to use the cannon is because we're too spiritually slothful. I'm going to lay it, lay it on the line. We're too spiritually slothful to get it together. Okay, but tonight the Holy Ghost wants to equip you with the latest technology in the realm of the spirit. The Holy Ghost wants you to be spiritually equipped. He wants you to have weapons of war against the enemy that are fail-proof. Can I get a witness somewhere? Touch your neighbor and say, weapons of war that are fail-proof. So don't go around getting depressed and saying, God, this thing's happening to me again. Oh, God, I thought I was going over to the promised land. And now I found out, God, that I'm just over here and I'm never going to get over. You didn't realize that these things that are going on in your life are a sign. They are a sign to you that you have already crossed over. You are already there. Now God wants to give you the weapons of war to drive out the Canaanites in the mighty name of Jesus. Touch your neighbor and say, we thought the battle with Esau was bad. Touch your neighbor and say, that was piddly stuff. Say, the things that Jacob went through when he crossed over cannot be compared to the piddly stuff with, with Esau. Hello, somebody. Can I get a witness? Hello, somebody. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, in case you didn't know this, I've been engineered for victory. Come on. Tell your neighbor. Say, neighbor, in case you didn't know this, I've been engineered by the Spirit of God for victory over every trial and tribulation 
touch your neighbor and say, it's not going to last forever. Say, you're going to see your Joseph raised from the dead. Hello, somebody. Can I get a witness? I hope you understand what I'm talking about here. The devil is a liar. All right. The spiritual strategies of spiritual warfare that I'm speaking about and possessing these promises in 2019 that are, are compared in context to what we just read in 2 Kings chapter 6. There were two spiritual strategies for spiritual warfare that we are going to find in 2 Kings chapter 6 that are utilized by the prophet Elisha that God wants us to apply to our destinies in 2019. These are the sophisticated weapons of war. Touch your neighbor and say, no more cannons. I'm going for the sophisticated, upgraded weapons of war against the wicked one. Can I get a witness somewhere? All right. When we look at 2 Kings chapter 6 and we see the prophet Elisha, and we see the weapons of war that the prophet Elisha had. He, he became, you know, prophet Elisha was a terror to the enemy. Okay, he was a terror to the enemy. As a matter of fact, he caused so much damage to the enemy. And you know what? He was a pretty laid-back person. Okay, as a matter of fact, there's, there's, if you look at his personality profile compared to Elijah, his master, his teacher, they, their personality profiles are very different. Elisha was not a spiritual clone of Elijah. Okay? They're two different personality structures altogether. Elijah was very emotional. Elijah got, got upset, and he, got, he was very, very, in terms of getting, um, he, he had very highs and he had very lows. If you look at, at his personality profile, even after that incredible uh, day when the powers of, of Baal were challenged on Mount Carmel, immediately after when Jezebel sent her threat against him, he wanted to die. Okay? Why? Because Elijah's ministry was basically a ministry to break the power of Jezebel off of Israel. And his his anointing was an anointing to break the power of witchcraft off that, off that land. And as a matter of fact, much of his spiritual attacks all are related to different various forms of witchcraft that he suffered at the hands of Jezebel. But he overcame them all because God just kept increasing his anointing. All right. But Elisha was different. Elisha was, he, one thing we know about Elisha is he is extremely loyal. He is extremely loving. He is, uh, he was a, an attendant that there was no other attendant in the entire Bible that can be compared except for Joshua. That was an attendant to the man of God like Elisha. But his personality is very different. His personality is very laid back. His personality is not a personality on fire, like calling down fire from heaven, like Elijah did. Okay? Um, the, the personality structure of Elisha is one that is very, you wouldn't want to say passive, 
but he doesn't even leave his house many times for the damage that he's going to cause. He didn't, he didn't get all excited and go out there and say, wow, Naaman the Syrian, the captain of the host of the, of the enemies of Israel is here, and he wants me to pray for him. No, he just sent the word out and said, go wash in the River Jordan. And the same thing we're going to see what's going on here. Okay, he's giving the word of the Lord to the king of Israel. And he is revealing the entire strategy of the enemy to the king of Israel. The king of, or the king of Syria is now asking his men, which one of you is the spy? Which one of you is for the king of Israel behind my back? Because the king of Israel knows every move that I'm making and has protected himself from every attack that the Syrians launched against Israel. And one of his men said, none of us are for the king of Israel. We're all for you, O king. But there is a prophet in Israel by the name of Elisha. And he is telling the king things that you are saying in your bedchamber. In other words, the Holy Ghost is revealing to Elisha every single plan that the enemy has strategized against Israel. And the prophet Elisha is telling the king, and they are spiritually avoiding every attack and trap of the Syrians. Do you understand that? If you do, say amen. Okay, the type of warfare that God wants to bring the church into is preventative warfare. I want to speak to you about preventative warfare. All right, there is a type of medicine that people, that certain doctors are practicing called preventative medicine. What is that for? It is to prevent in your health any type of lifestyle that you live so that you will not be able to contract cancer, so that you will not be able to contract heart disease so that you will be able to prevent certain things that come on individuals with certain types of lifestyles. If you are a candidate for a stroke, preventative medicine will help you overcome what your tendencies are before they happen. Well, there is also preventative warfare. I want you to know the next level of warfare God is bringing his people into is preventative warfare. Can I get a witness somewhere? Now, let me tell you something. If you've got a bunch of people that are all religiously stuck, and they're not going to come out of their little box for anything. And they're already so self-righteous because we've been praying all this time. And we don't want to be told anything. 
about the strategies because we already know what's going on. Well, then this message is not for you. But if you want to stop using the cannon, hello, somebody, can I get a witness somewhere? If you want to stop using the cannon and upgrade your weapons of war, then this message is your message. Text your neighbor and say, I need this message. Can I get a witness somewhere? The first supernatural strategy that we see here is the strategy of supernatural detection by fail-proof protection. Say this with me, supernatural detection. By exercising fail-proof protection. All right. That means if this is going to happen, there's going to have to be some strategizing. Okay? That means you're not just going to be a free bird to pray on your own. You're not going to be able to be a little free bird and do it like you always did. Because, child, this is a different war. Okay? And you've got different enemies. Okay? One thing about Israel was Syria. In the Bible, this was a constant thing. This wasn't something that they just fought with once in a while. During the time of the prophet Elisha, the arch enemy of Israel was Syria, and the Syrians had a constant, they were continuously attacking Israel. It was not just like the Philistines. No, these were enemies that... Uh, on a constant basis, continue to launch attacks against Israel. I hope you understand what I'm talking about. Some of you have gone through some things in your life where there are stubborn spirits in your promised land that have been relentless against you. And you and I have to learn the supernatural strategies of warfare to be able to disarm these principalities somewhere. Touch your neighbor and say, learn preventative warfare. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, but you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. The unction from the Holy One is the anointing. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, but the anointing that you have received of him abides in you, and you need not that, that any man teach you, but that same anointing teacheth you of all things, and it is truth and no lie. Even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. Most of you, before you get that little phone call, ding, we need everybody lined up for prayer. You should already know what's happening in the spirit. You should already have heads up. You should already, because God wants us to have a heads up anointing. I hope you understand what I'm talking about. God doesn't want to drop a bomb in front of you to get the picture. You shouldn't have to see 3,000 videos to make you be moved with emotional moving. God should already have moved your spirit by what you know through prayer and through fasting and 
through sensitivity to the things of God. Preventative warfare. So I've already been praying about this. I already knew this was up. You get that little phone call. Oh, yes, we're ready. You don't have to spend three hours on the phone to intercessors telling them um, every brick, every design, every architectural thing that the devil is doing. Hello, somebody. Can I get a witness? Touch your neighbor and say, upgrade your weapons of war because you're in the promised land now, child. You're not wandering in the wilderness anymore. We've got some major territory to take. We've got the nations that are waiting for salvation. We've got the nations that need a revival and we can't play around with your cannon anymore. Touch your neighbor and say your cannon isn't going to cut it. Hello, somebody. Can I get a witness? Okay, where we're going in 2019, child, you, we've never been before. We are going to the nations, and the nations are going to be saved. We are going on a major campaign to win souls in this end time. What we saw in Indonesia a few months ago was just a foretaste of where we're going in 2019. Touch your neighbor and say, get with the program right now. Okay, so here we see, beloved saints, here we see in 2 Kings chapter 6, let's just make an analysis of them. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, in such and such a place shall my camp be. So he's telling his servants, let's set up camp over here. Let's plan to just wipe out our opponents, all right? And the Bible says, and the man of God, oh my, the prophet Elisha said to the king of Israel, beware. Oh, warning. Ding, 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 ding. There's a block. Warning. Ding, 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 ding. The Holy Ghost is warning us. This is what's going to happen. But we're so used to the warning. We're so used to we, we're, we're, I don't know what the problem is, but we're, we're, not, we're not moving when the warning comes, okay? We already know it. We already think we know it all. And God wants to break us to a point that we're like little children learning all over again. How many want to learn all over again? Okay. The man of God said to the king of Syria, beware that thou pass not such a place. For there the Syrians are come down. So he warned him. And instead of him not listening, he did listen. And as a matter of fact, he listened so well that the Bible says in verse 11, therefore the heart of, the, heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled. Touch your neighbor and say, we're going to trouble the enemy. He's not going to trouble us. Hello, somebody. This is time you're going to bring trouble to the enemy. Touch your neighbor and say preventative warfare is going to bring some major trouble to the camp of the enemy. Okay? This is preventative warfare right here. 
Okay, if they hadn't had the prophet in the land to tell them what the enemy was planning to do, they would have been sitting ducks and they would have went there and been destroyed. But because the man of God warned them ahead of time and told them this is what the enemy is planning, they were sensitive enough to plan a strategy not to be hit where they knew the enemy was waiting and they delivered themselves, the Bible says, not once, not twice, but many times. How many of you would like to be delivered many times? Touch your neighbor and say, preventative warfare. All right, so here we see, the Bible says, and one of his servants said, oh, oh, king, <clears throat> I mean, oh, he said, oh, will you not show me which of you is for, or which of us is for the king of Israel? One of his servants said, none, O Lord, my king, but Elisha the prophet, that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. All right, so here we see that the spiritual significance of this is that the, the Holy Spirit is revealing the plan of the enemy before it strikes. Okay? And in a literal sense of Scripture, in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 11, the text is teaching that the heart of the king of Syria was so troubled because every time he went to sabotage Israel with an attack, God had their back. Say this with me. Every time the enemy goes to sabotage me, God will protect my back before the attack. Can I get a witness somewhere? Okay. So the man of God warned them and told them, and they delivered themselves not once but twice. I've seen this happen recently in our own ministry where we have had meetings with our intercessors. The Holy Ghost has revealed the strategy of the enemy Ahead of time, the intercessors were in place, and they diverted big time what the enemy wanted to do. And I think we ought to give God the praise. Okay. We're talking big time. We're talking, we're talking massive destruction that the enemy planned certain times. He's got certain seasons he likes to hit. Okay. He's got certain days that he likes to hit. He likes to hit before a big breakthrough. He likes to hit. Like for, for us, he had a little plan before New Year's Eve because something happened in that New Year's Eve service. It shifted everything. I hope somebody understands what I'm talking about. The anointing was so heavy in that New Year's Eve service. Something shifted in the realm of the spirit for the minister. And the enemy knew all those people that were coming were going to also get a breakthrough. Okay. And so he launches his attacks at, at opportune times. But before that attack was launched, he was already, preventative warfare was already in action. He didn't get away with what he wanted. Somebody ought to praise the Lord. Why? Because we have some intercessors in this ministry that are awesome. We have some intercessors in this ministry that have laid their lives down and constantly give themselves 24-7 to the kingdom, all right, and for prayer. All right, so we see that there are actually two supernatural similitudes. We'll certainly not get to the second one, but I want us to see this first one. And this first one is God's supernatural detection that brings fail-proof protection 
against the enemy's plans. And that is that God revealed to us ahead of time before it happens. All right? One of the things that we need to see here, people of God, is that in a personal prophetic sense of Scripture, the prophet Elisha, revealing the plans of the enemy to the king of Israel and the deliverance that was brought to Israel, is a prophetic parallel to various forms of essential military intelligence that is designed to save those on the front line. You know, military intelligence is extremely important in warfare, okay? And um, one type, we, we need to understand that military intel intelligence is really designed specifically to save those that are on the front lines. There are two types of military intelligence that I want to speak to you for a moment about before we close tonight that I believe are important in our understanding of preventative warfare, okay? When, uh, when an attack happens, and God forbid that one attack should happen, but when an attack is on, that attack is going to be so defeated and we need to understand that there are many attacks that we do not have to go through. There are many attacks that we can avoid. There are many situations that we don't need to go through. And usually those preventative attacks, those attacks that, um, that we can avoid, God willing that there's not any attacks that come our way that, that we can't avoid, one of the reasons why we fall into those attacks is the same thing that happened to the Titanic. Okay, the man who was watching the Titanic, the radio operator, was very tired. And he was sleepy. And what happened when the Titanic, when the Titanic sunk is that the Californian, which was another ship that was nearby, had already hit ice. And that ship because in those days, communication was very unsophisticated, so all they had was Morse code. And the Morse code that was coming in was not specialized as urgent. So it came along with all the other messages that were coming from, the, from, from various different um, people, like, congratulations, Titanic, or have a happy new year, Titanic, and all of those things. And so the radio operator wasn't paying attention because it was the same old messages that were coming through. All right? So when the message came from the Californian, we hit ice. The radio operator actually told the man at the Californian who sent the message to shut up. So he stopped sending messages, and the man went to sleep. What does that mean? There are a lot of us who are sleeping spiritually, all right? And the Titanic is about to sink. But we're, we've got the messages all on the same level, okay? There are some level messages that are urgent, all right? If the Californian radio operator would have sent the message under urgent, then the, the 
operator of the Titanic would have taken that message and done something about it. But because they mixed it up with all the other messages, that is why the Titanic shrunk, sunk. I hope somebody's hearing this. I'm speaking to you prophetically. Touch your neighbor and say no when there's an urgency. And don't mix an urgent message with all the other messages. Separate your messages to be urgent. When they're urgent, make a phone call. When they're urgent, don't send a text. When they're urgent, do something about it. Because the enemy is at work. Touch your neighbor and say preventative warfare. any help in here tonight. I don't know if you understand where God has taken us. Strategic intelligence is the kind of intelligence that relates information to significant sources in order to provide strategies and policies that offset the enemy. So strategic intelligence is the kind of intelligence that involves analyzing, Okay, it involves integrating, it involves processing, it involves evaluating. Okay, all the information that you've gotten. Okay, so whoever the intelligence officers, whoever they are, they have to take that information and they have to evaluate it, they have to analyze it, they have to process it, and they have to integrate it. Okay, that is strategic intelligence. Put your hands up right now and say, Holy Ghost, in 2019, I receive the mantle for strategic intelligence in the realm of the spirit. When the enemy is going to attack God's people and when the enemy is going to strike, I am going to have the chutzpah to evaluate, to assess it, to integrate it, to be able to process it properly in the name of Jesus. Somebody ought to give God the praise. Okay. Then there is one more form of intelligence that we're going to speak of, and that is tactical intelligence. Tactical intelligence is not the same as strategic intelligence. Strategic intelligence means you got to get all your duckies in a row. It means you've got to get all the information. That means you've got to assess things properly. That means the only way that can happen is when you're not, when you're really sharp in the spirit, when you're really praying and when you're really walking in love and when you're really walking in the word and when you're completely dedicated and your eyes are on Jesus and you're not distracted, then that means that there's something about strategic intelligence that God is going to show you what's going on in the realm of the spirit and you're going to know how to process it effectively. You're going to know how to integrate it. You're going to know what God is saying and therefore you can put your plan together that's going to be fail proof because you already got it from the spirit. What's going on? Can I get a witness somewhere? Tactical intelligence involves the conducting of combat operations. Okay, we have, we've been lately, we, we never used to do this. We never had um, tactical intelligence meetings in the ministry, once in a blue moon. But since July, we've had nonstop tactical intelligence meetings on the phones with our intercessors, with my intercessors. OK, 
They're like every week. This never happened before. My intercessors started to wonder what's going on here. Every single week we're getting a tactical intelligence operations phone call. Okay, because the battle has completely changed. It's not the same. And thanks be to God that we have yielded intercessors that want to know what's going on in the realm of the spirit. So we get on the conference line and we start talking and we're saying this is what's going on. The Holy Spirit showed this is what's going to happen. Okay, so we get our plan together, tactical intelligence. We get the combat operations in gear before the enemy strikes. And he doesn't have an opportunity to strike because he's already been wiped out because the message has already been given. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to say, praise the Lord. Can I get a witness somewhere? Okay, we already know what he's been up to. And we've already wiped it out. So we'll say, okay. This is what it's going to take. And if you don't have green berets in the spirit, and if you don't have dedicated intercessors that are going to lay their life down, okay, so, so we don't wear people out. What we do is we have an A team, a B team, and a C team. The A team takes over in the morning. The B team does the afternoon. And the C team does in the evening. And we make sure when it's evening, if people on the C team have been fighting in the day and they've lent their strength to other members who needed some help because the battle was stronger at a certain time, then we have to get reinforcements in the evening so that the evening team doesn't wear out and fiddle out because then the enemy could try to come in in the evening and try to rob it. Tactical intelligence. Combat operations. This is where we're going in the spirit. We're going somewhere and we're going to take, we're going to take the territory. Stand to your feet and say this with me in the mighty name of Jesus in 2019, it's going to be fail proof protection. Come on, fail proof protection against the enemy in the mighty name of Jesus. God is placing the anointing on his people for fail-proof protection against the enemy. Put your hands up right now and begin to start praying in the Holy Ghost. God, have your way in this place tonight. Thank you for the intercessors. Thank you, Father God. Lord God, we ask you now, fully equip the saints for end time battle Lord we believe that many of these battles are going to be avoided and great is the reward of those that are, that are standing in the gap to avoid this kind of warfare in this hour Father God in the name of Jesus raise up the anointing of preventative warfare come on raise your hands. God, let there be rest for your people. Let there be rest that, Lord God, nothing that you have given us shall be taken, that not one thing shall be robbed of the enemy. He shall not take one thing. Father God, the harvest is great and the laborers are few. And we're not going to spend time going over things that we've been over in the past. We're going to take the nations for God in 2019. Father, we, we declare and decree there will be a massive training and evangelism campaign going to the nations of the world, going to China, 
going to the People's Republic of China. Father, going to Asia. God, going to the Latin world. In the mighty name of Jesus, going to the Middle East. In the name of Jesus, campaigns for souls to come to Christ. Father, we ask for this anointing tonight. Raise your hands because as you've heard this word, the anointing is coming on you. As you have heard this word, the power of God is coming on you. For this breakthrough tonight, the power of God is coming on you in 2019 for breakthrough. I give you praise. We release the mantle of preventative warfare. Here's what God is saying. Some of you are getting.